Hey everybody, welcome to season two of the Mixmasters podcast. I'm your host, Steve Litcher, and for those not familiar, I'm the touring front of house engineer for Stitched Up Heart. Working with Stitched Up Heart has led me to meet an incredible number of really talented people, and I wanted to introduce you to them. I wanted to let you hear their stories and learn from their experiences. This is really your chance to listen in on behind the scenes talk and to learn from some of the best in the business. I have to give a huge shout out to my pal, Merritt Goodwin, for this killer intro music. Merritt is the lead guitarist for Stitched Up Heart, and he's also an extremely talented composer. Give him a follow on Facebook at Merritt Goodwin or on Instagram at Merritt Goodwin Official. Now let's bring up the faders and jump into this episode of Mixmasters Podcast. Welcome to this episode of Mixmasters, where I gathered a bunch of friends that were out on tour along with me in 2021. And we sat down and we talked about some of the differences that we saw while touring during a pandemic. As you know, we're sort of getting back to normal. Shows are starting to spin up here and there. But then we've also had to make a number of adjustments to how we do things in our day-to-day lives while out on the road. So I wanted to get the perspectives and experiences and thoughts from guys like Alex Marquides and Brian Campbell and Brian Hardiswick and Eric Rogers. I had hoped to have a couple of other people on the show, but they were out touring, so that's a good sign. The podcast itself is a little bit rocky. I'm still a bit rusty from being out touring uh, basically the last half of 2021, but I hope the message gets across and I hope you learn a little bit about what we're all dealing with uh, while touring. And if you're out on the road touring yourself, uh, let me know what your experiences have been like. Are they similar, different, somewhere in the middle? I'd love to hear it. Enjoy the episode, tell a friend, and be safe. Hey everybody, this is Steve. Welcome to Mixmasters. I'm joined today for a roundtable and my guests include Eric Rogers, Alex Marquides, Brian Hardiswick, Brian Campbell, half a dozen other Brians. And we're not joined by Alex, uh, I'm sorry, by Ashton Parsons or Drew uh, Thornton. Both of them had other engagements. I believe Drew is doing rehearsals and Ashton just had better things to do. So Ashton, if you're listening, thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how's that for an intro? When this comes out, there's going to be a bunch of uh, comments, and they're all going to be from Ashton. <laughs> you guys, thumbs down. All right. Uh, so I'm a bit out of practice here with doing with podcasts. Thankfully, I've been able to tour a little bit in 2021, and I believe all of you have as well. And I was hoping that today we could talk about what it was like touring during a pandemic. So um, let's just go around the room real quick and remind everybody who we were out with. So I'll let Eric, you go first, and then you can call on whomever you would like from there. I went out with Avatar in the fall, and I did a handful of fly dates all year. I'll call out Brian with a Y. Oh, I did St. Asonia, first fly date. Yeah. Uh, just with Break and Benjamin, we did a couple tours at the end of the year. Uh, the studio, the Brian. It's spelled correctly with an I, just so everybody's aware. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Uh, I was out with In This Moment, and I did a few dates with the band Starset. And I will give this to Alex. Uh, I was out with Killswitch, uh, supporting Slipknot on the big uh, Shed tour. And I was out with Stitched Up Heart. We did a tour with Butcher Babies in the States, and then we were overseas with Fozzie in the UK for three weeks, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to start this. I I thought it'd be great to get together with everybody and talk about our experiences. 
Yeah, everyone kind of did a different type of tour. I don't like. Uh, I obviously I was out in doing outdoor shit with sheds and stuff, uh, which was that was my first shed tour ever, which is was weird. I don't like it as much as arenas. I think they're kind of boring. Um, but uh, the COVID bubble thing was pretty like it's it was so different in every city like all the live nation venues obviously everyone was we had to test every single day you know it was like 80 people on the slipknot tour with all the bands and crew and whatever um and that shit is expensive i can't even imagine but when we went to got to like some of the other states that weren't live nation or didn't have uh, vaccine requirements or mask mandates or any of that stuff um we had some trouble getting stagehands. So we were, sometimes were down 15 to 30 people a day and we were all pulling double duty. I was flying PA for, you know, for Slipknot because I was a bored, but like, I was like, what? I don't no, Nobody's here to do this. <laughs> like Literally it'd just be like the system techs, you know, and stuff. So uh, it was pretty wild to see all of that. Um, but I don't know what kind of we haven't done a like a club tour yet, which is coming up now in like ten days or so. Uh, so I'm curious to see how that's gonna go um, as far as people getting sick and stuff. I mean, like I don't, you know, I went to a show last night and like everybody's at least everybody on the crew was wearing their mask and stuff. And um, you know, I sat in front of the house. That was cool, so I don't have to like be in the crowd or whatever. Um, VIP treatment, you know. <laughs> if you had to walk through the crowd to get to front of the house. Yeah, yeah, but you know, but still. Right, I'm I'm most curious, Steve. You're you're the one that went to Europe. What that was like? I'm just being out of the U.S. and what, what or if it was any different, more strict, less strict, etc. On paper, it was more strict, uh, definitely because we had to COVID test before we went to the U.K. We had to COVID test two days after arriving in the U.K. But then once we got into the U.K. The venues themselves um, required all attendees to have uh, vaccination passports, so they had to prove that they were fully vaccinated. The local crews at the venues, these were like larger, these were mid-sized clubs, you know, 500 to 1,000 cap, and uh, it varied. So we were in the UK and Ireland, and from venue to venue, some crews fully masked all the time, other venues, no masks. The audience, uh, probably 30% was masked, the 70% was not. And so myself, I wore an N95 mask and then a second mask over that the entire time and uh, let the secret out of the bag. We all caught COVID on the tour, so I ended up having to stay in the UK an extra two weeks uh, in quarantine. So that was a crazy time. (laughs) But uh, us and the Direct Support Act, uh, shared a green room together and the direct support one day just everybody was sick and I was like oh man I'm staying as far away as I possibly can because I suspected it was COVID and then all of a sudden one by one in our band and crew we started coming down with it the only people who didn't get COVID in our crew were the three people who smoked everybody else got COVID except for the three people who smoke so that was crazy yeah the, that whole the weed thing is crazy i just read of that the other day um like me and my lady uh you know smoke and um she like everyone in her bakery like basically had it they all wearing masks uh it's not mandated in virginia but her job does but like um 
she was like i don't know how i didn't get it like we, we tested like they got free tests for us and stuff too so but like we tested we we're like well i don't know how she didn't get it because literally everyone else got it there was only maybe it was like her and two other people that didn't get it but literally everyone else in the bakery got it i haven't had it yet either i mean not uh, I've, I've been careful but like i've been on tour we've all been around people like you know or whatever so it's kind of unusual like the the weed thing is kind of weird <laughs> it's kind of cool but um yeah uh i will say the uk is really good about testing um making tests available because as soon as we had any type of symptoms we were able to get test kits and yeah. they distribute the test kits almost anywhere like you can go just about to any store and get a test kit you know grocery stores have them pharmacies have them um chemists as they call them over there as you guys know uh but they the the test kits they gave you a pack of seven tests every time you went in to ask for them so it was very easy for us to get you know two weeks worth of tests for every person and so we were testing regularly but then as soon as direct support got started showing sickness and whatnot we all got it and we didn't need a test to know we had it but it just verified what we thought yeah, it's pretty wild. We had uh, we had two band members get it three weeks into our tour, and one one fascinating and, and impressive thing that Maria did was she had the opening band dead, <clears throat> all learn the drum parts, guitar parts, and bass parts just in case. And we were in Denver, and Randy and Kent both were fine, played the whole show. The next morning, Randy couldn't even complete a whole sentence, and he had to get a blood transfusion in the hospital. Really? And yeah. Um, and we only had one guitar player. Chris stayed home the whole tour because he had some other stuff with COVID going on. So we only, we only had Randy on stage. Uh, yeah, totally fine. Thrown down next morning. Couldn't even complete a sentence. Hard to breathe right to the hospital. And Kent, who, who's also pretty healthy, uh, he had trouble breathing. And so we had to leave them in a hotel. Uh, Randy was in the hospital and we had uh, dead other uh, guys fill in and play like a week and a half worth of shows. And then... Yeah the drummer of black Veil brides got covid at the same time so they had to do a whole electric to acoustic transition overnight and had to make it happen gotta do what you gotta do man shit <laughs> like i mean everybody like you know we rented out a venue the venue didn't charge us for the rehearsals everybody stepped up everybody did double duty and uh, it was the teamwork that's like when you really see teamwork come together and everybody's in it to win it it's like there's no other option other than to win at that point that's actually really really awesome like everything worked out it could have been disastrous. Yeah, I mean, if the singers would have got it, it would have been donezo. Yeah. They, that's what, it, that's what it, killed it, our tour. Yeah, it seemed like a lot of singers were getting it in the beginning, or at least whatever variant. But, because you know, I'm assuming they're screaming and they're, they're vocal. You know, all singers get sick more often than everybody. So, obviously, it's like their vocal cords are just, you know, thrashed and shit every night. So, it's easy for them to catch something. But it's like... That's crazy. She didn't get it. Go for her. It's yeah. a, it's amazing how careful you can be because the my tour was incredibly careful. We did not do any meet and greets. We didn't go out. We were quarantined. No family. No friends. No visitors. Nothing. Yeah. Same. We had to leave a merch guy behind. Poor the poor guy. We we had to leave him to quarantine for eleven days in Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> like like I can't like. You got COVID, so you feel like shit. You can't eat nothing. Oh, by the way, you're in Lincoln. <laughs> yeah <laughs> our singer tested positive he texted me we had a day off in vegas and uh i was i'm like i'm just out for a walkabout i get a test or text i think i need a test like uh shit 
stop at CVS and go. And that was it. Cause there was only 12 days left in the tour. That's it. Tour done. Everybody goes home and uh, he stayed, he stayed in quarantine in Vegas and I stayed to make sure that he had uh, food and water and COVID tests every other day. And that was it. It was just, he's healthy. They're all, they're all vegan. They work out. They don't smoke. They don't drink. They don't do anything. And they got it. Yeah. Yeah. I wore a mask 24 seven, literally like I slept in my masks because <laughs> we were sharing hotel rooms and I'm double vaxxed, boosted, blah, 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 and still got it. So thanks. Thanks. Omicron. I had it for the second time over Christmas. <laughs> Uh, with uh, Brink and Benjamin, we were like, so the first tour we did in September was a month long with Papa Roach. And I mean, we were strict as in we required everyone being vaccinated. But when we were out there, like we were all wearing masks and doing smart things, you know, um, none of us were really, I mean, we didn't have rules. Like I've heard of other tours, like you can't leave the hotel on days off and et cetera. Like we didn't have any of those rules. We just asked everybody that if you're going out in public to mask up and just, you know, try to be clean and, you know, do your thing. But we went that whole tour, had zero issues. You know, we, we sectioned off the, the backstage area to where, you know, there was no guests allowed, like catering was separate from, you know, like local catering, et cetera. And then we did this club tour. It was about three and a half weeks or so. And we made it through the whole tour. And then I don't want to call the people out, but three people from the band and crew the day after the tour all tested positive. They were, had a scratchy throat. And then um, all three of them tested positive. None of neither of them were sick, really. Like it was very minor, you know what I mean? But that was it, you know. We did those two tours and that was that was the the only carnage we had. How how was the vibe of the shows though? Because, like, I went to this show yesterday or whatever, and it was, like, big band, sold-out show, but the vibe was terrible. You know, you can, we've all done a billion shows. You can just tell the how the crowd is going. But it was just, like, weird as fuck. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, is it just because everyone's scared and wearing a mask or just, like, they're like, we want to be here, but we don't want to get sick. But, you know, like, I don't know, like. It's just the vibes are still weird on on uh, on Slipknot. It was like it varied or whatever, but um, like I'm just worried the indoor shows like gonna have like way less of a you know a vibe for, with just having a good show. Like I don't know how that breaking tour went or any of the other tours, but I mean I, there was no vibe difference that I, I noticed. Like uh, in certain areas, like I would say ticket sales maybe were affected, you know, by COVID. Like they weren't. For sure. Like it wasn't like crazy, but there were like some shows that like, okay, the band's hometown. We oversold last time we were there, like seventeen thousand some odd people, and you know we did like sixty percent of that attendance this time around. You know what I mean? So it, there were there were issues with like that, you know. But and then, dude, that that was that was like that was in Scranton, and that three weeks earlier, Corn had canceled right at like remember when they did that like the day of the show yeah so yeah. i think like people there too were just like you know fuck this like we're not letting it happen canceled, again, you know? didn't they open didn't they open doors or like they were about to open doors and then they canceled the show they let it go all the way i believe don't quote me on this but they they went all the way till doors and then all right yeah. show's canceled i went and saw uh i saw avatar last night in nashville and they're like no mask totally open come party and I mean, the floor was packed and everybody was throwing down 
like nothing different on the acoustic tour the second tour i mean not that we're being irresponsible but like none of us were really masking or anything crazy you know like not that that's crazy but you know we weren't like being very strict because it was just us there was no openers there was no anything we still weren't letting people like backstage that didn't need to be there but like you know shit like half the shows i hate to even admit this but me and the lighting guy weren't even masking up out there in the middle of the crowd you know i've had it twice i've been vaccinated like boosted everything like you know like i don't know like i I know how it's gonna affect me i ain't trying to get anybody else sick but i'm not necessarily afraid for my health as much as i am i guess the people around me well and that's sort of the thing too is like with the change the way the virus has sort of morphed and i'm by no means a medical expert but you know originally the thought was you get the vaccine and then you can't transmit it to people but now you get the vaccine you get boosted and you can still transmit it to people so it's more about now it's more about i think the vaccine is taking care of yourself and staying out of the hospital you know because like i have some other health issues and i ended up getting it but all I, I've lost my sense of smell for about two or three days and I had a runny nose and a, like a rogue cough for about five or six days. And that was it. Like, you know, thankfully it was very mild symptoms and I credit the vaccine, you know, for doing that. But so I, I think, you know, your comment, Brian Campbell, about trying to protect others is valid, but it doesn't seem like the the virus it doesn't, you know, the both times I've had it was before the I was even eligible for the virus or the vaccine. So like the first time I had it, I was legitimately sick. The second time I had it, I wouldn't have even known if I wouldn't have gotten tested. And it was because my my wife, like she she got it, you know. And uh so I was like, fuck, I better test and sure shit, I'm positive, but zero symptoms at all, you know. But uh like why why didn't we think about this 10 years ago like we've all had the flu on tour we've all had that whatever you know you're three weeks in and everybody on your bus has a fucking sniffle and we still we still muscle through it and all of a sudden now you have somebody sneezes on tour and stop the presses and send a runner to fucking walgreens it's it's kind of mind-blowing because it's like you've had it twice Steve had you had mild symptoms. Brian is 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 COVID. So <laughs> you are COVID. <laughs> it's it's funny. Like we, I, I believe I think I was overly cautious on Avatar, and I don't I don't regret it. Like doing everything in my power to make sure that band and crew and locals and staff and fans are all safe. But at the same time, it was way overkill. Like I I don't think I would have felt bad. And I, I know it ended the tour early, but that's also like I didn't I didn't finish the whole thing saying he was he had no symptoms. He tested positive and he felt icky. That's it. Like he wasn't it wasn't like, you know, a, a, a TV show drama where he's, you know, pus shooting out of his ears and zombie stuff happening. You wouldn't let me come to your show, Eric. We were in the same city I uh, on that Butcher Babies tour. And I texted you because we had a day off and. I said, I want to come see your show. And you're like, nope, nobody's allowed. Yeah. And, and, and we did, that's, that's how we rolled. It was like, we were, we were safe, 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 safe. And like, I don't, I don't make any apologies for doing what I thought was best to take care of everybody, but in hindsight, so <laughs> like, like what, <laughs> what did I really do? Has anybody played the Fillmore in Detroit? 
in the last like two months or three months? No, I heard they. No. I've never seen someone so strict in mind of this entire thing. Like, no joking, we we rolled into the venue and like on the floor right there was a nurse at a desk and she watched everybody's every move. I mean, like if you took a drink of coffee, her exact words were, it takes two seconds less to drink that mask up. And she would walk around and follow people upstairs towards the dressing rooms. Like that mask came off this, and I get it, it's her job. She was paid to do this. She has to be there. So not, not discrediting that, but the strictness of it made the day so much more difficult. Even if like you like, you know, like you have beards or facial hair or scratches or whatever, like pull it down. Like she was not having it. And it just got like so repetitive and so frustrating to keep hearing it every 30 seconds, if not less than that. Yeah. Yeah. There was definitely some venues that were more strict than the others and had people wandering the crowd, like doing that, just policing everybody, you know? Anybody notice, here's total sidetrack, anybody notice that the mask that pull your ears forward, it like fucked with your hearing, like while you're mixing? Like I had to find, I had to find a mask that strapped around my head and didn't bend my ears forward. Yeah. Like anybody else notice that? Oh yeah. 100%. (laughs) I have calluses behind my ears from wearing a mask so much. Like I literally have calluses on the back of my ears. I was getting my hair cut when I got back in the States. And my barber was like, how do you have calluses on your ears? <laughs> like, what, how do you think? <laughs> like, it's wearing a mask literally 24 hours a day. When you're sitting behind your console and just ripping your head out because it's it's not going for you. Yeah, well, that's a different story. Brian Hardiswick, um, I went to, I did a couple of shows with you, got to tag along for some of the In This Moment shows. Did you notice any difference in the vibe with your audiences going back to uh, Alex's question from earlier? The, I mean, the biggest thing was crowd attendance, you know, like we would, have, we did the Warfield in San Diego or San Francisco. And I mean, it was sold out, sold out. And, but the balcony was empty. Like the entire balcony was almost empty. Uh, and so much of it was like, people weren't aware of what the requirement was, et cetera, et cetera. And it was, we did, we did a lot of stuff around Halloween time. So a lot of people were dressed up and incorporated masks into it and they were there to throw down and have a good time. There was definitely nights that felt like the roaring 20s and like everything was a go. And then there was nights where it definitely people were so very cautious. The crowd was more spread out. There was no pit. People would, if there was open chairs, they would try and sit more further back and away. Yeah. But it really just, it depend on the night. But, and, you know, again, that, those are the two biggest vibes I noticed. Eric, how about you? Um, the vibe, it was, it was different because Avatar has really, and actually in this moment, those two, they have some, very dedicated super fan type people. So, but their fan base also, they're not, they don't move a lot. They're, they're a lot of, they're, they have a lot in common with people that, that go to comic cons. So when, when the audience comes in, they're, they're well-behaved. And I thought it was a vibe killer until I started talking with the guys like, no, that's, that's how the crowd is. And then the show starts. And then of course the, the audience is into it for the show. But what I did notice was everything was kind of, tame like there there was of course whatever pit actions going on and people moving around on the floor but there was like there was a whole lot of like most of the audience didn't want somebody bumping into them it was and you couldn't it was you know it was because of the virus but they just kind of made it they played it off they looked like they were just annoyed that somebody was in their personal space which is cool with me like they stayed like i i would push my barricade out as far as the house pm would let me and like, and if I could get I think, to that magical where I'm 10 feet from all mag- all sides, Mark, 
mask off, I can do this because nobody's allowed to come in and out. And then you'd have, you know, the occasional somebody leaning over, screaming at you, whatever. Or I think we had the one massively sold out show we had was in Denver at the, was it the Ogden? Where it, it was, it's been a long time since I've had to like shove my way through people just to get to work. But even then, all, you didn't have to touch anybody. You could just say, excuse me, and they would move. It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> I never had luck before with my flashlight parting the audience, but in the UK especially, like shining my flashlight, people just, it was like the seas opening up, and I just had a corridor to get up to front of house or get up to the stage after the set. So that was, I think that you're right, that that's probably related to people just being conscious and being aware of their proximity to everybody and not wanting to bump into people. I mean, if, if the best thing to come out of this is people are nicer to each other, then it, it's not all that bad. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I always tried to, when the venue would allow us, we tried to push the crowd barricade back as far as we could. Uh, our goal is always eight feet back from the deck every day, but we tried, if we had to, it'd be about six. But that was, we really tried to stress that on the whole tour, just trying to get the crowd as, as far back as we could. We've got so many fans on that stage too, though, that the air circulation is probably getting changed out of the stage every like half a second. That was, that, there was hours of discussions of fans and how particles can travel and the speed at which they can get thrown at you. It was a whole, there was some scientific talk behind that. <laughs> what was the verdict? Did you keep the fans? We got extra fans. <laughs> Everybody in the audience got a fan. Dude, half your trailer's probably all, all the all the fans were just facing the audience, right? Just blowing the air back towards them. <laughs> just, yeah, it's I, I couldn't figure out why the room was reading 471 dB, but it was just hurricane fan winds in a small venue. <laughs> you could have turned on all the CO2 also and just had that blowing, you know, all the time. Just yeah. All of it. Just we just hand sanitizer in the hazers. I, 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 you kid, but I did uh, go to a hotel and they were, they had uh, sanitizer that they were distributing via like a, I think it was a, a, a Chauvet hazer, but it had some sort of sanitizing liquid in it. And it was like the lobby when you walked in was almost hazy because there was so much of the stuff in the air. I've seen that. Um, there, remember that, uh, Brian, did you go? I don't remember. There was that AES thing last April in Nashville at Soundcheck. And I can't remember who it was. I think it was Martin had their their COVID haze machine out on display. It was <laughs> it's a thing. What? There's there's That's awesome. It's, it's it's arena hazers that what it, it what it does is it takes the haze and like I'm not a salesman. And I barely paid attention to the guy, but what the gist is is it's got these magic. Um, infrared lights and it's like the specific shade of infrared that kills covid and it's an arena hazer and it blows the haze through that then it recirculates it so it can uh, like a bank of four of them can recycle all the air inside of an arena in like 25 or 30 minutes what? and it's all just sucking this air through these big ass fans past uv lights it could be snake oil but it <laughs> Somebody's kind of making money. Out. That's a great thing for a couple of reasons. One, I think Eric wants to secretly be a Lampy or a uh, an LD. I started off as an L a lighting guy. I do remember that. I'm colorblind though, so I sucked at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. I could fucking I could like tap lights all day long, but I'm I can't put together good colors. 
I had a, it was, it was an NSI foot controller. And I remember because it had six buttons on it and we had two NSI, they were like, not even DMX. It was like their proprietary, whatever thing. And we had eight park hands, four colors. It was red, blue, yellow, green. And I would just stand there with my, I get calluses on my hands right here. Just basically playing bongos with a foot controller for lights. My first lighting controller was a keyboard, literally like a Nova, like a MIDI keyboard. And I had masking tape on every single key to tell me which chase it activated or which color and uh, would like play the keyboard to a song and that would change the lights accordingly. So yeah, fun times. Um, my other question was, did you guys have any specific or special or different cleaning protocols for equipment? So like microphones or common contact items. Um, we did not like we, we just, you know, I have these wipes that I would use, uh, on the microphones, but I did that all the time during tours, normal tours. But then when I got home, I ran them through my UV light sanitizer, you know, just to get all the cooties off of them. But what did you guys see different from a, a day-to-day cleaning type of a thing? I carry my own mic kit and, um, we, I, I have actually six capsules for the wireless. So we would rotate capsules every day and the capsules that weren't being used were being uh, scrubbed with alcohol wipes and nobody but me or the monitor guy was allowed to touch microphone and then the singer was allowed to touch microphones like locals, whatever. I don't never, I don't, and this is actually in general, like pandemic or not, I don't give a fuck how much of a hurry the local guy is to get out. Like, don't touch my stuff unless I ask you to. Yeah, for real. Like, don't I? I know I don't want to come up to a pile of my mics on the floor anyway. So it was just a good excuse for like, don't touch. I'll be there in a minute. And I never had a problem. Kind of similar boat for us. Carry all of our own stuff. Wipe down mics. Wipe down consoles. Highly touched stuff. Drum thrones, but nothing like overly crazy. I never wiped my console until like the day after. Like Blue Ridge Rock Fest, where I couldn't see the screen because it was covered in dust. Dude, it was so bad. <laughs> oh my god, that place yeah, was fucking sucked. Too. Yeah, I made the mistake of wearing a new pair of uh, shoes. I had these uh, steel toe like tennis shoes, and they were black. And when I got done, they were literally like chalk gray, <laughs> like chalk white. Yeah. Did all five? Did, did all five of us do that show this year? Yeah, I did it on the last I think day. So. We we did it on the we did it on the first day. Yeah. We did it on Saturday. So um going back to that question, like with breaking, we took like extra wireless mics and capsules. So Ben's main mic and spare mic. Um only our our monitor guy Brian would ever handle those and he would wipe them down. He would never test with them. He'd wipe them down every day, put them in a UV sanitizer with Ben's in-ears and, uh, you know, sanitized them every day. But past that, like, everything was pretty, pretty normal. Just alcohol wipes, something he does and we do on a standard basis anyways, just so they don't, you know, smell like shit. You know how they get. But, yeah, it was just that. I mean, we were just really trying to protect Ben because if he went down, then that meant the tour went down. You know, everyone else kind of had a backup in mind. And Marquitis? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, same shit. Like, uh, our monitor guy mostly did all of the microphone wiping down, and then I would help do the, like, the, the soap, you know, every couple, like, at least every four shows. But Kill Switch is, like, they, they're shit that, like, don't get crusty. There's some other bands I work with are, like, the, get, like, a thick crust, and, like, you can't hear it anymore. <laughs> like, it's, like, it becomes dark. Um, but, yeah, I, I wish we had taken extra stuff. Uh, I'm waiting for some stuff from SE so we can have extras. But, um, yeah, I mean, taking extra stuff was always the best. A UV light would be cool. I wish we had that, uh, actually, but uh, not even the Slipknot camp had anything like that. Um, but I think they were doing the same sort of thing. I think they were soaking their mics every day along with alcohol waves, you know. But Those UV sanitizer machines, they were pretty easy, pretty cool, pretty cheap. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they'd be great. I'm sure our tour manager would be interested in buying one of those. But. I have a hot tip on those. Um, if you get there, there are baby bottle sanitizers that use UVC light. Uh, I have one from EVLAS is the company. And it's like a I can fit 12 microphones in there. Uh, and then there's a tray also up on the top, but it's it 100% cleans everything, sanitizes it with UV light, takes about 11 minutes. I tested it with what are called dosimeter cards, which are these like UV cards that are light sensitive and they they measure the exposure and to what level and as long as it registers higher than a 50 on the scale um it's it sanitizes against everything like they the the card lists every virus including covid that it sanitizes against or that the uv level needs to be and this evla system is like it was 99 on this dosimeter card and 100 is the scale as the top end of the scale so and it was like Ooh. it was like 120 bucks on amazon or something like that so baby bottle sanitizers that have uvc light are probably a pretty decent bet for sanitizing so we've gone in 40 short years 30 short years from gg allen cutting himself and rubbing his own shit all over himself into a God knows what of a microphone to baby bottle sanitizers. Yeah. Rock and roll guys. What's next? I don't know. Yeah. Changing, changing gears a little bit or going back to uh, festivals because we talked a little bit about Blue Ridge. I think Eric, uh, Eric, you and I were at um, Rockfest. Yes. And that was probably one of the very first festivals to start up after the pandemic sort of broke. Did anybody else do Rockfest in the group here? Uh, I've done it a couple no. of years ago. Not this year, but I've, I've done it, yeah. Well, uh, Ashton, who uh, is too cool for school today, was at Rockfest as well. And actually, he came in to do monitors for us for St. Sonia that day as well. Oh, wait a minute. I was at Rockfest. Yeah, you and I hung out in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, I did Memphis Mayfire. That's right. All yeah. right, cool. Yeah, you and I, like we, we <laughs> talked for like 15 minutes. And then uh, Aaron Lewis yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great day. Good hang. Yeah, that was a great hang. Brian Campbell will never forget it. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Did you guys have any apprehension going into the, uh, the, the first big festival? I know myself, I was a little nervous just because I hadn't been around people for, at that point, a year and three months, really. And then all of a sudden you're thrust into Rockfest and we played on one of the smaller stages, but I looked 
and the crowd was completely the the whole barn was full all the way up the hill was full of people there had to be like 10,000 people in that area and i'm sitting smack dab in the middle of them you know with my console and i'm i'm just thinking well that's it nice knowing everybody but you know nothing came of it what what were your guys feelings going into that first festival i was just excited I just wanted to work. I just wanted to do gigs, man. Like I know, like I don't want to sound like an idiot, but I'm not very concerned like for myself over all this, you know, like I haven't been. I actually had a baller moment. Like one of the baller moments of my career on that show too, is we didn't have a monitor guy. So I called Ashton, I throw you a day rate. You want to do monitors? He's like, of course. Um, but it's, you know, San Antonio wasn't playing last. So we had the standard 30 minute changeover to get who uh, it was Fozzie right before us, get their stuff off the stage, get San Antonio stuff on the stage, patch the deck line check and go with a brand new monitor guy who has never heard the band before. Um, I gave my show file to the house guy and just loaded it. And it was, it's, Fly dates for me, I'm, I still default to a profile on fly dates, no matter what I do, Digico wise, other anywhere else. I can just throw my plugins on. It's everything's preset, good to go. I didn't hear the PA. I didn't hear the band at all. I'm line checking. I've got, I'm doing vocal mics. I'm doing wedges. I'm doing ears with Ashton on stage. I'm walking to front of house as the intro is rolling. Like I had the house guy line check the band while, like through the PA while I was on stage had no idea what was going to happen until we I got out there it was sink or swim and we had an excellent show so like the first show back to have that kind of like puck butthole puckering moment and then that ultimate release of everything is awesome yeah I, I, I couldn't care less about a pandemic at that point I was just like yep this is the way it's supposed to be yeah that's fucking awesome actually that's so such a good story man love that I was just hoping all of our co2 worked yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's not kidding uh it was great we did aftershock that's the only festival we did and it was fantastic everything was on time everybody pulled their weight the show was great band was stoked mix was slamming it was it was cool man the whole i mean great all around felt good to hear a kick drum on a festival stage yeah for oh, sure yeah. what was the first you, feel you felt good to feel a kick drum yeah exactly so let's turn it up yeah, it's just like, you know, we didn't even hear any loud music during any of that. Like, your, you know, your home rig isn't going to be as loud as, you know, 18 line array or whatever. So it was like so nice. First time I, that, what was the first festival we did? Was that uh, Incarceration was the first one I did. And that was like gigantic, like 150 like box acoustic rig. And I was like, this is the first show back. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That PA was, crazy holy cats that was it was something but it was so windy the sound was getting blown all over the place and i know like the audience was complaining about couldn't hear certain things but it was literally you could tell when the wind was blowing across the the field the sound would you know clearly go away oh yeah those high frequencies will get thrown around like a you know like a tornado it's pretty pretty nuts it sucks and i hate it (laughs) yeah there were i counted 48 subs at 48 double 18s there was probably there was probably more than that actually brian brian sankis was is like now doing stuff for like eighth day and doing big time shit 
and he was like part of that team that did you know some of those big festivals and he's like they're they're fucking like there's like a hundred subs or something stupid i just met him yesterday via uh he uh via email he uh emailed me about some audio stuff for that upcoming slipknot tour oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah congratulations that's gonna be a fun tour man we're stoked they've uh everybody's been super super cool so far yeah yo the the slipknot production guys rob all those dudes rob is the fucking man robbo he's like the the head chief dude you know he like runs shit he's awesome and the stage manager is also a fucking awesome dude you'll have a great time yeah. Yeah, what do you got been, going been, on brian uh in this moment it's going out with uh uh slipknot in march oh shit awesome yeah oh, with, yeah. with ginger it's, opening yeah ginger us and slipknot pretty sick pretty sick lineup yeah, I think we're gonna be we're gonna come to I I think the show that we're able to come is at the end of your run. Uh, it's like in in Reading or something. I don't know Scranton, whatever. It's in PA, but like I want to we're gonna come out to that show for sure. Killer. Come say Bob. Bob is like a a dream, awesome, super fun dude to hang out with. You'll have fun in front of house man for sure. I had a blast for like the seven weeks we were out. It was awesome. He's he is. A gentleman in every sense of the word. He's awesome. Strakel is a is a is a G man. He's a he's a phenomenal mixer. Um, I want to hear his war on drugs mix, but uh, because I just haven't been able to hear it. But like, phenomenal dude. I he made me buy some gear because he let me use his Clarifonic Parallel EQ live. So like, I would go, I would send my console through his outboard rack, right. and that thing was awesome. And I just bought it uh, the other day, so I'm stoked to try it on my next tour. Sure. All right. Well, that's a great segue. Let's stop talking about COVID for a little bit uh, and uh, talk about gear because I think almost everybody in this group had different gear for their last tours from what you normally mixed on. So like I know, Marquides, you were on an S6L from your Midas Pro. Yeah. Brian Campbell, I think you went to an S6L from your Midas Pro. Eric, I think you were on uh, Quantum. I was on an SD12. Quantum wasn't in the budget. And I think uh, Hardiswick and I were DLive guys. Uh, this is this was my first tours on the DLive. I was on a Midas M32 before that. So uh, anybody want to jump in and talk about the switch and what they what they liked better, didn't like, noticed observations? Um, mine wasn't a switch. I, I actually built from scratch. So I, I spec'd a Quantum 338. Um, it w- was really funny is I wasn't really given what the budget was. It was like, here's my audio spec. And then business management came back and goes, oh, wow, that's great. Um, can you get it down to this number? I'm like, well, <laughs> fuck. Okay. And that's, <laughs> the, that's I, like always the fun conversation. <laughs> like this would have been a, a lot less uncomfortable with, cause I, I use Claire and it would have been a lot less uncomfortable with, with scooter. If I could just have come up with him with realistically. Hey man, this is what I want. This is how much I've got. Instead of, well, thanks for doing all that work. Now I gotta scratch all that. Let's give me the give me the B rig. Um, but what I did, I went to an SD12 with waves. I got rid of everything outboard. But I had to had I had a handful of conversations with Toby Francis, and I ended up getting a Neve 5059 summing mixer. Sick, and dude. I've been wanting one so bad. I didn't change your life. Like it is. It's in the rack. It's not going away. Yeah. That's what I hear. I mean, it was, it was, it was like between a summing mixer or, you know, just like a really nice compressor, but I was just like, I really want a summing mixer. Like I, but you need all the outputs and like the, you know, the IO for that to like, to stem it all out and stuff or whatever. I don't even know how I would stem it out. I don't know if I'd just do 
individual or whatever. It's got what 16 channels, right? The way I did it was like, so I did my standard busing structure where I have the parallel drum groups on the desk going into the drum group, like so clean or, or clean and dirty, like comp, not comp, whatever. Yeah. Into a drum group, mono bass group, stereo guitars group. And there was there were two guitar players and they're both on Kemper. So there's two stereo guitar channels. So four guitar channels going into one stereo guitar group, stereo tracks, stereo keys, and stereo BGVs and stereo main vocal. And the main vocal also is where the effects were because the BGVs were pretty much just gang vocal anyway. Yeah. So you, I mix on the console. Basically, you take all of those, those output buses, like drums, guitars, bass, whatever, into the summing mixer. And then I had output A and B. So output A became band. And band is returned back into the desk and output, uh, the other output was vocals. So that basically slips your mix down, mix down to two channels, banded vocal. And that was it. And it had to come back into the desk because the budget was cut. It originally wasn't going to go back into the desk. Those were going to go into uh, a 5060 and out through a master bus compressor or some other expensive toy in the outboard rack, but instead it went <laughs> back to the wave server. But that turned the outputs of the SD12 pretty much just into a level fader because I was using the actual, I was using the knobs on the 5059 to mix the groups. If you want to lean into the drum bus a little bit, I was turning those outputs up, you know, like turning the bass output up, like moving the guitars around in space, stuff like that. But I was doing it in on the analog side of things, not the digital side of things. You had that mounted in a rack below the console where you like leaned under the rack, like under the console doing that all the time? Or how did you have that set up physically? Virtual sound check. During the show, <laughs> during the show, the only leaning I did was to grab another bottle of wine. <laughs> but but during during sound check and line check, you know, I would change things for the venue or I'd constantly be working on whatever I needed to work on. So I would do playback during the day and make adjustments down there. And if if something needed to get done, I could bend over and put that into the rack, but that's also why we have consoles with faders and it's 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 not that big of a deal to push a fader up a couple dB, you know. Plus you'd spill your wine bending over, so it wouldn't be good. Brian Campbell. <laughs> yeah. Um no, uh yeah, I made the jump from Midas Pro Series to the S6L. Um it's pretty stoked on the S6L. Uh imaging and the clarity is phenomenal on it. And uh just the workflow is great on it. Um uh that heat setting, I'm not a Pro Tools guy, I'm a Cubase guy, but the heat they have on the S6Ls now. Those are really cool and useful on vocals and guitar. But again, I just keep it simple. Just same with the Midas, just, you know, wave setup. And then I switched to the uh, SSL Fusion from the Portico. And yeah, that's it. Um, I miss the Midas. I, I do. I, I'm, again, the Midas guy through and through. There's nothing that sounds like it. I don't, it's just my opinion. Um, but the desk does sound great, but it definitely gave me a lot of heart attacks. Uh, I, I've never had so many air warnings and this, that, or the other on any other mixer I've ever mixed on, but every day on that S6L was a brand new warning, you know, something somewhere wasn't happy, <laughs> you know, but nothing to stop the show. Thank God. Yeah, man. I hate that. I love the S6L. Uh, I switch because, um, well, I just wanted to go to the S6L, but like, uh, and then we had the budget that we split it with the other two bands and stuff. So we all would, you know, we were all able to take it. 
but no that console does sound amazing uh but i hate that it's like that like i like i, I don't want to be scared to turn on my console i, I fucking hate that also midas I, Midas is out of support now, uh, so like I don't want. I, I need support, you know. Like I'd rather uh, go to another console line that could actually provide all that support. I really wanted to go Yamaha because the 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 Revage the Yamaha, you know, we use in corporate settings, and those consoles are rock solid. <laughs> like they don't they don't go down. I've never had a Yamaha go down ever. You know, if I could take out a PM10, I would. It's like obviously out of the budget, which is they're a very expensive console. The other option was Digico and to go with Claire because, you know, I love, I, I think Digico is great. It has its own sound. I think you have to like know how to make it do what you want. You know, like I want it to sound like a Midas, but I just want the all the like Digico stuff with it, you know, like, but I can't deal with the, the, being scared to turn the desk on like brian's right like even on this on slipknot they they had quite a bit of issues uh and there were some there's some crazy stupid bugs in the console like if um if you plug a wrong screen resolution into the console before you turn it on um it sends the console into a boot loop and like basically they had a bricked console and they were like six four hours before the show is happening we're like <laughs> like how does this happen you know a hundred and twenty thousand yeah. dollar console it's it freaks me out and i was just like you know i've turned digicos on i want to go to sd12 sd12 is, is a great I, I don't i don't mind going smaller like i don't care but um i just want to turn the console on and know that it's going to be on and working <laughs> like I, I hate just like i remember one time i turned one of my midas's on and it just like the screen was black and i was like i don't have time to deal with this I need to go. I'm already like late for the show or whatever. Uh, and then I just came back in 30 minutes and it was like on. And I was like, I don't understand. It was black for seven minutes, you know, and I was like, I can't wait here any longer. Brian Hardiswake, uh, I don't know about you, but I don't I don't see any of those errors ever on the D live, but uh <clears throat> uh SXL hey. is dope. I'm gonna start with that. It's dope. <laughs> I want to try. I want to try the D Live, but I haven't been able to test it out anywhere at all. Uh, and you're not in Nashville. Good sound check. Yeah, no, I know. I need to. I just wanted to go. Like, I need to go play with it. Like, I've played with the offline editor. It's. It seems great. I just like you know uh, want to know what it sounds like. I don't the, the the surface is whatever. I don't really care. I care more about the sound than what the surface can do, as long as it's stable. But no console stable. <laughs> i mean we were kind of in the same boat wanted to come out of my comfort zone a little bit profile for five years something different something better and like everybody there's a budget it can only go so far for so many things and so i had to find something that was incomparable that i could switch that was new and sound image was super cool and they let us take out the d live uh i got that with the, the neve portico too and then an avalon out front for her vocal and oh, yeah. uh great man i, I mean it's I went from 48K to 96, which in itself was incredible. That was a huge step for us. And effects are stellar, uh, parallel compression on every single channel. Any any fader, any channel can be anything that you want it to be. So yeah. it Is a D Live, does a D Live go bus to bus? Can you do bus to bus on a D Live? No, that's the one thing that no. you can't really do. Like you can't take squashed and a clean drum bus and run it into another drum bus. You can. 
I say you can't. Technically, you can, but you would you lose the benefit of the desk doing latency uh, compensation. But isn't that why you have the ability to insert or to, to use parallel compression on the desk so you don't really need to have two stereo drum buses. You just have a knob now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You just select on like your kick channel, you turn it up and then all of a sudden you have a wet and dry option and it's on, it's doing it on every single channel and it prevents exactly having to do that over here. Hmm. But my curiosity is, is that actually doing a parallel compression or is, or parallel process by in meaning that is it somehow internally splitting that signal into two and driving a hard, uh, a, a wet and a dry, or is it more like you it would reverb unit where it's just kind of turning the saturation down? Fair question. I've heard it saturate it, but it's more than like what you would see on a on a reverb. So it's not truly like you know having a separate bus where you've got it squashed and a hundred percent makeup gain or whatever you know crazy numbers you want to throw out there. It's it's not to that extent, but it's it's more present or prevalent than a just a saturated effect that's that was just legit question. i don't know because i've never done it so the, that was the one thing with the s6l that's kind of got me hooked on that that platform is the bus to bus because for yeah. me it's more than just doing parallel drum groups like that's that's the basic okay let's do that but like you know i have my stereo drum group my parallel crush group but then that's going to a drum group that's being processed through that and you know and then that drum group now is going to a band group and then the band group is going to the master you know what i mean and everything kind of has a route like that so with the s6l it's allowing me to set it up more like i would a recording session in like cubase or pro tools or something you know what i mean so that's that's the one thing where the s6l right now has got me hooked um and i i wish i could get more group channels um you're just stuck at 32. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past Alan and Heath to not add that capability. Um, they just released a firmware update while I was on tour, uh, and the firmware update was so good. They they included a, a new master bus compressor that I got rid of my Portico 2 because the master bus compressor, when I A-beat it with the Portico 2, I couldn't justify the $4,000 price tag on the Portico, so I ended up selling it, and uh, now I just use the firmware updated master bus compressor. I've heard that the desk is just barely scratching the surface of what it's capable of. So, and I know they, they like listen to the people uh, and request. So I'm going to go request multiple times per day that they do group to group capability. <laughs> yeah. I love the D live, the whole thing. Like, I think it's great. They're tiny little rigs. You can just like take this tiny surface and then just get stage racks or whatever. Like, it seems totally great, and I just like I just want to mix it. I just want to mix on it for a little bit in front of a PA. You know, it's like that wage war mix on it last night. Good, Shelby was like the room that he mixes in. It's a Fillmore. Is like it's weird. Like you guys have done the Fillmore Silver Spring. Yeah, we were just there yeah. like a month ago. Yeah, you know, like in the daytime, like it's my home venue. I live like ten minutes from there. Um, in the daytime, it sounds like one way, and then when the band comes on, you're like that sounds like not the way I left it. Like the PA just sounds totally different. Like it's not even, you know, it tightens up or this was like a fucking different mix. So, I mean, uh, like him getting to those mixes were like and opening them up and it was totally fine. Once he got it going after a couple of songs, it was, it was awesome. 
and like him and Chris, him and Chris Pollock. I've heard like a few other bands on D Lives, and I haven't wasn't like impressed. And I was like, uh, it sounds okay. Like I feel like D Live has a its own sound. I don't know. It's hard to just dis- to describe, but like I, I like Chris Chris Pollock from August Burns Red and and Shelby. Those guys, those mixes were they they were sick. They're the best D Live mixes. But I've heard some other bands that were quite large have not so great mixes and i was like i don't understand you're right. in a in an arena or like behind a gigantic rig this should be the easiest mix of your life you know it's so easy to mix an outdoor but like i was like this just doesn't this it like sound it didn't sound right oh dance game and dance also crush I, I heard him on it he just got a d live um, travis travis wade yeah and that, that's crushing I want to try the D. I wanted to try the D live out. I just literally still haven't touched one. It's yeah, just same. never came across. Never came in front of me. You know, yeah. and the opportunity hasn't presented itself. Hey, Steve, I asked you for yours. Remember, I was like, "Do you want to rent me your D live?" And you're like, "I don't." <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I love it too much. I'm like, I could really use the income. Uh, I could earn some passive income, but. Yeah, I love it, and I baby my gear so much. Like I, when I sell stuff, it still has the original boxes, and it's still got a lot of times the uh, the cellophane over the displays, and like it's, I baby my stuff yeah, too much yeah. to be able to rent it out. I would, I would not sleep one single night when it was away from yeah. me. I was still debating what I wanted to do. Eventually, I, I ordered uh, from Claire, but it didn't. We didn't end up doing it just because of like it was a budget and. The timing and it wouldn't it was like extra freight and it was just like the wrong timing so it's like definitely next time we're gonna do that because i definitely want that 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 support that like i need worldwide support you know we like we tour everywhere i want the same rig in every country so that was the other big change for us this these tours was going with claire now like we're we're fully with claire as well yeah yeah, but my I did too. I was my made the jump to Claire, and I'm not looking back. It's I know that I can get my rig yeah. anywhere on the planet. Yeah, that's that's basically Dude, it. the support. The support from those guys have been so great, and just working with them has been so great. Well, that night I owe them my life because they gave me a desk for a year and a half under a under pandemic. So I I, I owe them a tour or ten. <laughs> they wait. They gave it to you to just to, to hold on because they weren't taking it out anywhere. Right? That Quantum Seven was in my studio from May of 2020 until May of 2021. What? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. For free? Was it just like a loner? It was. Well, nobody else was using it. Yeah. And I, I had a conversation with Sean Claire. And I told him what we were doing for Hello and what we were trying to accomplish. And he was all about it. And it was, I wouldn't say it was free because we generated a bunch of content for them. For sure, yeah. And at any time, he could have called and said, hey, I, if, if, if he had a gig, like, of course, first thing I would have said is like, I want to be on it. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but outside of that, like, if he had a gig, of course, it would be boxed up and ready to go immediately. But Claire gave us the consoles. SES gave us the lights and the venue. Like we had a bunch of people that were that believed in what we were doing and believed in in us because of who we are and and you know what we've done over the course of our careers, that it was kind of an investment in each other. Where, yeah, like Claire hooked me up with a console, but at the same time they they 
plant well I planted the seed and they watered the seed and we built this relationship where it was it was a no-brainer like here I have a tour I'm not really putting it out to bid they asked me to this is what's this is funny they asked me to put it out to bid I called a friend of mine at eighth day and I called my guy at Claire and I told him what was up I'm like hey I have to put this tour out to bid um, it's going for Claire but Claire and eighth day are the same company so it was just like here just make the bid the right way so it goes to Claire and then I had a third bid from somebody that I knew that was going to be way overpriced from everybody else. But that's that's what they did was they they built they they believed in us to build a relationship and now they know that they've got somebody that no matter what I'm doing I'm going to take the gear to them. Yeah, that's awesome. I just yeah, they've a, been great. I just I, had I a, switched over. Go ahead. He was pointing out his drink, I think. I just had a bubble tea delivered <laughs> by Claire. Uh one of by Claire? <laughs> no, by Paris. <laughs> oh shit, this is good. No, this uh, is other uh, other big switch is uh, I took out the Claire Cohesion on the Papa Roach tour. That yeah. was the first time ever on that PA and everything. And man, that PA rocks. Love and that. the best part, the best part of it from my let me put my production manager hat on right now. But I was saving money on trucking. Even man, I can fit. A whole PA arena PA control motors everything in one truck solid into one truck like taking out DMV or L acoustics or Meyer or anything else man you're talking about a truck and a half easy you know mm -hmm. so it's uh dude the the PA is great it sounds great man and and I mean I I never had every day it was like way more consistent than I've ever experienced ever in my life with the yep, it's so sick. you know wow it's so good what was that how about them subs too the CP218s they are holy shit dude <laughs> yeah no and and you know my my only complaint with the rig we took out wasn't that there was enough subs it's just later on, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to spread things out a little bit more so the coverage was a little more even. But that was my only complaint. And that was like, you know, something that is easily solvable. You know what I mean? But uh, love the system. Uh, I had a really good systems uh, systems engineer on that tour. This dude, Pat O'Neill, does like Garth Brooks and shit like that. So the dude was badass. Um, but yeah, man, great PA. I took it, we took it out with Iron Maiden. That was my first time hearing it and like mixing on it. So it was Maiden and Kill Switch. But yeah, I mean, the SE on that tour was just ridiculous. And uh, there was not even that many subs. There was six in the air uh, or, you know, three on either side and then six on the ground. And that was it. And it was like more than enough PA. Like I wasn't even getting close to anywhere limit or anything uh yeah. but like you know maiden and pooch don't want that much sub on stage anyway in general so the subs were like you know at a minimal but i was like you don't even need them like it was so unnecessary literally the, the I top yeah the, the top boxes go down so low yeah it's ridiculous but like usable low end too like very clear and usable low end yeah all right. Well, we're coming up on just over an hour. And so time flew by. I want to ask you guys before we go here real quickly, what you've got lining up for 2022. I know everything is sort of in the air. We heard a little uh, tidbit from Brian Hardiswick about what he's got planned. But uh, so maybe Brian Hardiswick, just want to remind everybody what you've got lined up for 2022, and then you can throw it to 
whomever you'd like to. Sure. Um, yeah, as of now, I've got the ITM Slipknot Tour starts in March. And then there's, like everybody else, everything's on the table for like the rest of the year. Just a lot of maybes, possiblies. We'll talk about it's emails, et cetera. But it's it's all good, looking positive. So, but yeah, it starts with Slipknot. Uh, Eric? I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> Damn, I'm sick. But I, I will, I will, I will let you, especially uh, Brian with an I, I'll, t- I'll text you first. And then everybody else will group text second, but I can't talk about it yet. <laughs> Copy that. Oh, I got to pick somebody. I'm going to go with uh, Alex. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll go then. All right. Uh, we have a Kill Switch and August Burns Red and Light the Torch coming up here. And then after that, there are like four tours uh, on the possibly maybe thing again that I like, you know, again, don't know. Everything's up in the air. One of them, two of them are European tours. I don't know about going over there. I don't know what the deal with, you know, they're scheduled. They're there. I'm supposed to go in uh, end of April or whatever. So, we'll so see far, what every European tour is being pushed back. So, yeah, like I said, I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> like I had this one tour and that's still a maybe too. Like, it, uh, you know, it feels like it's not going to happen. But uh, until I guess we start playing the first couple of shows and we'll see what happens. <laughs> what about you, Brown? Um, man, uh, if anybody knows anybody looking for a mediocre sound guy, let me know. No, um, <laughs> we, uh, we, we start up in April, nothing like I can talk about just yet, but it, you know, it was in March and it just got pushed back to April, I think kind of for COVID issues and stuff. Um, and then I see, I've seen routing for the rest of the year, but between now and April, man, I'm looking for shit <laughs> so anybody almost, knows let me know we almost got you on uh like the torch with us yeah yeah almost for almost for a split second first that would have been fun with yeah. you and chris for a tour that would have been really fun yeah that would have been fun what about you steve what are you doing nothing really so the the uk experience as awesome as it was it was our first time going over to the uk and in ireland and man, we had just a blast in Ireland. I could tell stories for days about that place. Um, yeah. But it really burned us out, especially having to stay an extra 10, 10 plus days to quarantine afterwards. And we just got, when we got back to the States, we were all sort of like, you know what? Let's not tour for a little while. So uh, there's nothing on the books for us right now. Um, working on a couple of other things outside of Stitched Up Heart, hopefully those come to fruition. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, so nothing. I'm just laying low and trying to find people to be on the podcast, I guess, until I can uh, actually get out there again. Tell us more about your 38 computers behind you. <laughs> I'll talk about that offline. I don't think the <laughs> listeners really care too much about something they can't see, but... You doing Zoom meetings behind our backs? <laughs> I'll never tell on the air. All right. Uh, so let's wrap it up there. I want to thank everybody for being a guest and joining me today. It's so great to see all of you guys. I'm glad that everybody's doing well and is staying healthy, uh, except for Brian with a Y. He's probably got COVID while we were talking here. so <laughs> <laughs> He just coughed, but I think he was on mute. Um, so, <laughs> Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you ain't going to get sick now, I don't know. Thank you guys for joining. I hope to see you out on the road soon and uh, hope to talk to you soon. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. 
And that's a wrap on this episode of Mix Masters. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please be sure to subscribe and then tell a friend. Or maybe leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd certainly appreciate it. I produce Mix Masters on the Allen & Heath DLive system with Sure microphones and a little help from Apple's Logic Pro X and some Waves SoundGrid plugins. One more round of thanks to Merritt Goodwin for the music. And until next time, stay safe and healthy, and thanks again for listening.